welcome to episode two of uh, Metal Marmite. <laughs> I'm your host, Tom, joined by my guest once again. Game Master, here we are with the ill behaviour. Uh, my name is Richard, yep, hello Tom. Yeah, this, this show is about metal, mate. It's not, not about uh, Renegade Masters. Isn't, it, isn't, it, isn't all music just an expression of our hearts? Anyway, moving on. <laughs> on to episode two this week, which focuses on Judas Priest. Mm-hmm. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, we are looking through the history of heavy metal from the very start, very beginnings to to now, basically. Mm-hmm. I am an esteemed metal guru. Ooh, esteemed. I've listened to metal for the last 20 years of my life. Dr. Tom. Um, Richard would probably be the same, but I've probably listened to more extensively. Oh, way more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. <laughs> I do not argue that fact at all. Yeah, no. Yes. Uh, last week was Black Sabbath. Yep. The founders of heavy metal. I have a uh, something to say about. That. Oh, go on. My mother disagrees. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Let's hear it. She um she has said that there were people. Um, that uh, bands that came in like the early to mid 60s that apparently she remembers my dad listening to quite a lot that she would classify as heavy metal music. As heavy as Black Sabbath. Uh, In the early 60s. That's what she was saying. So would you like me to go and find out who specifically she said? No. Okay. (laughs) I'll find out for next week. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I think mid... 60s I don't know you know it's a pretty heavy stuff in the 60s I guess in terms of rock and or roll yeah blues and Elvis Presley and stuff no it wasn't that no these these bands were really funny names but yeah I can't remember them but they were weird names Kachakuku no (laughs) it was something like Shining Wizard or something like along those kind of lines like Mastodon's Shining Wizard or something weird like that. It was, it was really those. There were two names that she said that were really weird. But yeah, okay. the point is she disagreed with you. Okay. <laughs> so uh, last week we focused on Black Sabbath. Yeah. The founders of heavy metal. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly, yes. It's still up for debate. Allegedly, but I think the general consensus is they are I said this as well I said that you need to pick a date somewhere to start something yeah. and, and even I've heard before that yeah I'm not saying it's a it's a certified a, you know guarantee permanent uh, guarantee that they are but you know whatever anyway um, so for episode 2 we'll be looking at Judas Priest yeah who uh, so before I go into the history what's your history with this band, Richard? Uh, I'm I'm well aware of the name. Um, listening through this that that you asked me to, there are clearly some songs that I've heard before that I didn't know were Judas Priest. Okay. Um, but I have definitely heard before. Um, and surprised to find out that they were British. Yes. That surprised me. That's pretty much where all. Heavy metal came from in the seventies. Makes you proud, doesn't it? I mean, 
Sabbath, Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, if you want to say their metal. But yeah, it was it, I, it was one of those names that I always heard, and I thought, oh, that's an American band. Yep. Um, oh, there you go. See, Pink Fairies and Tonto's Expanding Headband. I told you it was a weird name. Never heard any of those bands. No. I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, poo-poo your mum's. Uh, you know, maybe they might be bands. I'm not oh, just saying I'd never heard of them. I'm just saying, I just, it was just made me, it was just annoying me because I knew that one of the names was fucking weird. <laughs> um, uh, also, something else um, that I would like to point out that, that I knew about Judas Priest um, that probably has nothing to do with any of this, but is that they were Chris Jericho's favourite band growing up, apparently. Yeah, I don't have that written down. It was a big inspiration for Fozzy. Yeah, he has a lot of inspirations, so I don't really didn't know that 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 was the specific one. I have heard that he likes them, but obviously he's inspired by lots of bands: Van Halen, Kiss, Rush. Yeah. But uh, for Judas Priest specifically to be his favourite, okay. It's what I read in a book, anyway. It makes sense for um the timeline of what we're going to talk about, anyway. And his mum loved the Beatles. Again, that makes sense. The timeline we're going to start with pretty much every band that was um, going in the 70s were probably inspired by the Beatles in some way. It was a big musical touchstone, pretty much, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, Ozzy Osbourne said they were his favourite band. Uh, Lemmy did as well. And um, I think uh, the same will go for Rob Halford here. But, uh, yeah, so you said you haven't really heard a lot of their songs at the point, but there are songs you have heard of. I've heard some, but I didn't know it was by them, yeah. yeah. Um, so my history with them, um, they weren't really on TV much. Um, when I first started getting into metal in the early 2000s, like, you never saw their videos on TV. Like, with Iron Maiden, for example, their TV, their videos were always on Krang TV. Like, all the time. So you knew straight away who they from, who they were, and they were metal legends or whatever else. Same with Metallica; they were always on, on, uh, on TV. Whereas Judas Priest, you never really saw them, like much of if at all. You think is that a timing thing? Maybe. Like, I think. Uh, I mean, if you take the fact that, like, you, you the 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 established narrative is that the first ever music video wasn't until Bohemian Rhapsody then does it surprise you a lot that you wouldn't see a lot of stuff from like the 70s on on a music channel I don't Uh, know not necessarily that I would say it's more because of where they were at as a band in 2001 which was bottom of the barrel really not cool okay Uh, Bob Halford wasn't the the singer at this point Um, they were just seen as an old crusty rock band that repassed it at this point to be honest I don't you know as much most of that stuff was in the 90s when the grunge came along and yeah whatever else um so yeah um I didn't really get into them I don't I don't think I bought any of their albums until probably late 2000s early 2010s probably well the first album I bought was Pretty Still Mm -hmm. which we'll get into later on because it had the hits on it yeah. the two big ones um, so yeah I had that and I had Painkiller which I downloaded on iTunes so that was the extent of my Judas Priest knowledge at that point until 
streaming came in and you could discover more yeah. stuff from bands. I know streaming gets a bad rap, and understandably so. When you haven't got a lot of money and you're into music quite extensively and you want to listen to more from a band's discography, then it's pretty ideal for I someone like me. For something like this as well, for for like people discovering music and things Absolutely. like that streaming is fantastic for that i mean unless you own the cd that yep. you can say here listen to this yep. there there wouldn't have been any other way that i could listen to these kind of songs would there so uh to, that's a good point it's a very good point um i'll add two things to that mm-hmm. if you're buying a cd that's like what seven eight quid a pop at, yeah. at that point it's for streaming so you're basically taking a gamble yeah if you hear a song on a TV, like, oh, that sounds good. Yeah. You're going to buy the album, and you're like, you get home, and you're like, either, either that'll be the only song you lock on the album, or you love everything, and you're like, oh, God, this is great. That last remark, though. So, two things I was going to say. The first thing is that, it, it, with regards to that, is it a case of you actually liked it, or is it because of how much money you spent on it, you forced yourself and you convinced yourself that you liked it? Well, also, if you buy something like seven or eight quid back in the day, you would have it in your CD player mm-hmm. and you would constantly be listening to it because you spent money on it. Yeah. And you, it's not that like you could um, go on streaming sites and listen to other, other shit. You might have another, obviously, you have other CDs, mm-hmm. but you've got this brand new CD, so you want to listen to it and get into it more and more. And yeah, there'll be stuff that you, you know, I can't remember the amount of times I bought a CD, listened to it the first time and thought that's a bit shit. Mm-hmm. And then eventually got to the point where I'm like oh this is great so my rule that I had when I was younger and I used to buy CDs was that I needed to make sure in order to buy an album I had to like at least three songs from the album otherwise I wouldn't buy the album I would only buy the singles so that was the rule that I set myself for that precise reason because there were so many seed albums that I that I bought that I was like this is tosh like I like this one song and the rest of it is rubbish mm-hmm. there was um i mean especially with newer artists as well it wasn't that it was it was artists that released like an absolute banger like a couple of absolute major songs and you thought this song is incredible and then you buy the album and you think this doesn't sound anything like that one song feeder is one like that for me they released two songs that are amazing. I'm going to say Buck Rogers yeah. and Seven Days in the Sun. No. Oh, not Seven Days in the Sun. No. What's the other one? Oh, Just Today. Yeah. Absolute bangers. I love those songs. Yeah. Comfort and Sound is a pretty dull album. That's not the same album. Though. No, no, no. But that, I bought the album thinking, I love this band. They've oh, released right. songs that I love. Oh. And I bought this album and I thought, this isn't that good. Fair enough. Yeah. And then that's when I made, well, I, I bought a couple more. I think that was the yeah. first album they made after the drummer killed himself. Oh, okay. So it might have been why it didn't sound, the rest of the album didn't sound anything like those songs. No. Uh, what's the main single on that? Comfort in Sound. Uh, Which isn't a bad song. I, that's kind of grown on me. <laughs> What Comes Around was the first single and then it was um, Just The Way I'm Feeling I want to yeah. say which again isn't a bad song it's grown yeah, on me they've grown on me 
But when I first got the album, I remember thinking, this is not anything like the two songs that, from you that I really like, um, which are really fast and upbeat. And yeah, and then uh, and then you got this one, which is quite... I mean, the only song that's anything like, if you can call it a song, on that album is Godzilla. And that's not really a song, I wouldn't say. <laughs> But anyway, we're getting off topic. We are a little bit. So anyway, yeah, so I wouldn't say I became like a massive Priest fan until streaming and I could listen to all their stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you look at the first one little bit more. Look at Kate Bush at the moment, for example. Had that one big uh, song that was on Stranger Things. A lot of people saw it and thought, it's what is this? Terrible song. But, okay, that's moving on. <laughs> uh, so a lot of people heard that song and thought, oh, that's, that's just good, isn't it? And, uh, yeah, so they would have heard that song and then moved on to other songs on streaming or whatever. So streaming is a good outlet to get into um, yeah. bands or whatever. You know, you still like buying physical stuff, that's cool. But I can't afford it. No. <laughs> Unless it's, like, cheap, super cheap. Even then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My CD still has a... My, my CD still has a car? My car still has a CD player, so occasionally I will buy CDs, but they have to be cheap yeah. on a deal or something like that. Go to the pound shop. They're quite. They, you get some good ones in there sometimes. Bought Catatonia. Uh, Catatonia. Yeah, Catatonia. Rodrige. Yeah, I bought that album, uh, International Velvet, for for eighty seven p. Wow, eighty seven p. Wow. Okay, so um, this is the bit I have marked. The brief history of Judas Priest. It will not be brief though. But it's going to be kind of a different. Um, Different format different okay. to the first episode. So we're going to go into the brief history of this band now. Oh God, I don't know where to start, really. Um, let's go with what the current lineup. Okay. As of 2022. As of 2022. Or should we not? I'm not sure. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Um, right. So we can cut all this out anyway, can't we? Sorry. thank you very much right so Judas Priest were formed in 1969 so just one year after the Black Sabbath Mm -hmm. um, in Birmingham so again again, like Black Sabbath so Birmingham is basically the birthplace of heavy metal okay so it's it's the it's the Nashville of metal oh yeah that's a good um or, or the, the Detroit. Or the Detroit <laughs> of metal, yeah. yeah. that's a good way to look at it. The, uh, yeah. I won't say anymore. We'll, we'll get on. Um, formed in 1969. Although they didn't release an album until 1974. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so we we saw, we said last week, so of... Um, like, straight away. Like, yeah, I mean, two years. They released, like, eight albums in <laughs> four years. Yeah, they had two albums out in 1970. Yeah. But uh, due to problems with their label... Um, their label went bust the original label they were on right and uh, problems with their lineup, which we'll get into now okay so their original lineup consisted of Al Atkins on vocals mm-hmm. bassist Brian Stappenhill guitarist John Perry and the drummer John Partridge now if you're into heavy metal you'll be wondering what, who, the, who the fuck are these people very bland names. very bland names and none of them I had heard of before I did the research for this so actually none of these four people would be on Judas Priest's first album right so 
So this is another problem okay, with. Okay, yeah, confusing. <laughs> this 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 sounds like a sugar babes scenario. Yeah, this is another problem. Although some of Atkins' um, lyrics would show up on the first album, none of these um, people would be on their first album. Right. And in the um, unfortunate case of John Perry, committed suicide, eighteen years old. Right. Not very nice. So we'll go on now to the current lineup, which is, or should I say, current slash most notable lineup. Okay. So we have Ian Hill, bassist, and Glenn Tipton, guitarist, who are who've been on every album ever recorded by Judas Priest. Okay. From nineteen seventy four to present day, when the first album came out. Um, you also have KK Downing guitar so they had two guitarists which at this point was pretty unique really two guitarists at the same time not on the same band one guitarist no 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 no. I mean I mean I say this is unique at the time you had the Allman Brothers doing this in the late 60s early 70s right okay so but in terms of like heaviness and how having two guitarists would affect that um they would probably be the first real example of that going into the late 70s other than Finn Lizzy but I don't think they're that heavy compared to Judas Priest uh, Ian Hill was dating a woman by the name of Sue Halford founder of Halfords of course, of course yeah. that's he got three bikes yeah. that's why he started dating her sweet <laughs> three car parts yeah man <laughs> I got new rugs for my car like for my cortina because yeah. I'm dating that girl from Halfords yeah so he dated a woman uh, by the name of Sue Halford who was the brother? Uh, who was the brother? <laughs> who was the sister of uh, Rob Halford? <laughs> who and he would ask Rob to uh, join the band as the lead vocalist. Okay. And he would later go on to marry Sue, but they were divorced in the eighties, unfortunately. But there you go. That's uh, how he, uh, Rob Halford came to be in this band. The drummers now. This is where we get really interesting. Okay. The drummers, Jesus Christ. Oh, boy. So, Judas Priest, in total, have had 10 drummers in their history, in the 50-year history plus of this band. By the end of the 1970s, they'd had nine. So that's, like, so they've, they haven't, they've been going for basically 10 years. So they've almost had one drummer a year. Yeah, so this is, this is another problem that this band had. So, so quick quick question is is Judas Priest like is it a band or is it kind of like a name that people just circle in and out of I mean uh, is it owned by like the label or is it owned by the, the I think this is just circumstance and stuff that happened mate I don't think it was like particularly but when does Judas Priest stop becoming Judas Priest and, and become something else you know, like it's like like I said, I know I said earlier about the sugar babes, yeah, but it's the same thing. But like once you've replaced all the members of the sugar babes, are they still the sugar babes? <laughs> you know? Like if I've replaced all the members of Judas Priest, are they still Judas Priest? Or is it just a completely different band now with just the name? Yeah. There's yeah, a philosophical question for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll get you. Yeah. It wouldn't become there wouldn't be a, a regular drummer until the late seventies. When Dave Holland became the regular drummer. And did he become the drummer? 
I would say yes to a certain extent because he was there for like their biggest success in right, the okay. in the eighties before he left in uh, about eighty nine or ninety because he wasn't on the Painkiller album. So a little bit more consistency in drumming from that point on, okay. late seventies to present day. You've only got two drummers. Two drummers playing at the same time, or like... oh no, 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 no. I always have one. Okay, I was like, that's that's a bit extreme, isn't it? <laughs> Judas Priest were named after a Bob Dylan song. Oh, okay. I suppose you the ballad of Frankie Lee and Judas Priest, which I'd never heard of. Never heard that either. I like Dylan, but I like the hits. Yeah, same. Yeah, I can't take a whole album of Dylan's voice or the harmonica. We'll we'll we're not, not going to dwell on that too much but I do really like Stuck in the Middle with you though yeah, yeah that's his best one <laughs> <laughs> little inside joke <laughs> between us from earlier sorry okay so the first album came out in 1974 called Rock and Roller it doesn't really sound anything like what you've been listening to okay it's for, it's just standard uh, rock album in the 70s really okay. the band not really sure what they're doing at this point in terms of their sound um, it wouldn't be until their second album, Sad Wings of Destiny, nineteen seventy six, where they would kind of nail down what kind of band they would be, and in, in, particularly in Rob Halford's vocal style, which we you would describe as. What would you describe his vocals like? I don't know. Operatic. I wouldn't say operatic. I'm not comparing him with this person yes. but I'm saying that the flamboyance yes. kind of reminds me a little bit of um, that's a good word yeah because we'll get on to why that's a good word later on um, what his fucking name the lead singer of the Rolling Stones uh, Jagger Mick Jagger Mick Jagger thank you Jesus Christ Richard come on this is why I this is why I don't consider myself a music person because I forget simple shit like yeah. this I, I love music but I'm not into music because mm-hmm. I even forgot Mick Jagger for fuck's sake but yeah the singing styles aren't the same but it's theatrical yes. more than yeah Sad Wings of Destiny was a pretty pivotal album for the band had a number of hits on it which have become staples of their staples staples of their set probably should have given you this one to listen to however right. it's not on streaming websites oh really and nor is the first album because oh. they on, on a label that went bust right yeah and uh, the masters got sold to I don't know who they got sold to but they're not putting it on streaming sites for some reason weird business decision but okay yeah so um, <clears throat> Goal Records that's the one Goal Records G-U-L-L not on streaming websites though but anyway so Sad Wings of Destiny in 1976 this would follow up with uh, three albums Sin After Sin then Stained Class which features the song Exciter which I gave you to listen to you did yes we're going out of order a little bit here now though mm, yeah a little bit okay. this is the first song on the discovery though no worries you gave me it in a different order but oh, yeah. it's not a problem um, right I, I honestly didn't have a lot to say about this one no. no, I've I've actually wrote it's pretty generic, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I, so I'm guessing that that sounded a lot more like uh, an album 
song or something buried away on one of the Sabbath albums that we that I would have listened to last week. If I've written pretty generic, it in my opinion, it probably sounds like something that some of the quote-unquote tosh I would have listened to last week, you know? You didn't like Rat Halford's singing in this song? I didn't. Bear, bearing in mind what order you've asked me to listen to it in, right. I've probably already listened to quite a few songs by that point already, so there was nothing specific that jumped out at me at that point because I'd already been listening to it for a few songs. I like this song a lot. Okay. Lovely drum solo to start with, catchy guitar solos. Uh, for Halford's vocals in this are great. Next down, I'm very excited. Uh, you know, very, I found this song very Queen-like at the time. I don't know if it, I think he was inspired by Queen a okay. little bit at this point. I did not get that feeling at no, all, okay. but it, fair enough. It kind of invented, like, I'd say heavy metal as it is in its form now, more than Sabbath, probably. I would say that, yeah, they had a sound that was closer to what I would describe as metal than Sabbath did. But I also think it's kind of more thrashy. Like, this, their sound reminded me a lot of Motley Crue. It's an interesting comparison. In what way? I've I've put here uh, in, in another song later on, um... It's got that 80s sound to it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure so, the vocals are quite Motley Crue, but I, I get your... Um... Yeah, no, the sound is very... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not necessarily the vocals, no, but um, but the sound is very... Yeah, it, 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 it just reminded me that it was going down that kind of line more towards um, hair rock yeah. rather than like where thrash metal would go later on like um when it started to get a lot heavier for instance it felt it felt thrashy but light yeah um, yeah it's still on like 100 percent heavy or whatever um so the third of these albums was killing machine um so by this point judas priest had um well their image was setting them apart from a lot of bands at the time they were wearing leather with spikes and to become a um, pretty um, metal image going forward um, go on so very um, Motley Crue oh well uh, yeah I guess so <laughs> if you say so um, so on this album Killing Machine there's a song called Hellbent for Leather Hellbent, hellbent for leather. Hellbent, hellbent for leather. Yeah, nicely sequenced into the leather spikes. What did you think of this song? Um, you're starting off with <laughs> some of the really poor ones in my... Oh, dear. Um, the only thing I wrote with regards to this is I didn't even notice it had finished. Oh, ouch. <laughs> Um, it had already gone into a, the next song, um, and I genuinely thought this has been going on a while. Um, and I went and looked, and we were on a completely different song. And I thought, oh, oh, okay. Um, I was literally just about to write how long this song was, um, and yeah, we were on a completely different song, and I hadn't even noticed it finished. Okay. 
Okay, I'd say this more straightforward song than uh, Exciter. Got the hellbent, hellbent for lover. Yeah, Very yeah, yeah. Um, deeper vocals in this song. And then obviously get to the operatic stuff at the end. I wouldn't know when the end was. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think this, I chose this song because basically the song is called Hellbent for Lever. Mm-hmm. So how could I not choose it? Um, it's not actually about leather. It's about driving really fast. I was going to say, is it about leathering it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're levering it. Yes, yeah, it's an expression, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, He's going hellbent for leather, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah but it kind of fits it with the image of the band yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. I guess in the, in the US, they would probably take that a lot more literally. I don't know. I mean, they're obviously quite big in the US. Yeah, yeah, um, maybe. Not at this point, they won't. Yeah, but no, but I'm assuming that song they probably take a lot more literally, don't they? Like, oh, yeah, they're really into leather. And I don't think they have the expression he's going hellbent for leather in, in the US anyway. But yeah, I, I got I got the expression straight away. It, it, it seemed like it was a very... Um, fast song it was it, it, it had the element of speed about it for sure yeah definitely yeah i said it's, it's a very short song as well compared to excite hence why i probably didn't even notice it finished um <laughs> so so at this point the band were getting a lot of critical acclaim for their quite heavy sound but they weren't making a lot of money isn't that the story with a lot of these bands at this era a pot to piss in at this point kind of getting bent over by record labels and stuff I'm imagining yeah. right like for everything you sell we get 70% of it or something like that you know and they they didn't have a very commercial sound at this point until we get to the next album 1980s British Steel which I would, I would what would I say would I say it's gone down I would say it's gone down as the band's most famous album I think that's probably the way to say it uh, okay can I just say it First and foremost, I love the title. Pretty Steel, yeah. yeah. I don't know if you saw the album cover as well. Yeah. So the album cover, Razor, Blade, right? Razor Blades, it's quite gnarly looking, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, just like holding a massive razor blade yeah. in the air. But um, I'm, I'm assuming that's from the um, Remington Steel thing at that point, which isn't a British... What, the name of the album? or uh, No, Remington Steel was... Um, uh, so there's a factory in the US that's owned by Remington who do the razors and things like that. Uh, they make Remington steel um, and they obviously make Remington razor razors and razor blades and stuff like that. So I'm assuming it's a play on that. But they're also from Birmingham, which is steel. Um, yeah, it's kind of... I mean, Sheffield is more known for steel, but Birmingham did have steel output as well, obviously. But... I mean, this is m- more... This is probably the most political they'd ever get. Uh, it's more like because uh, there was a lot of strife in the late seventies, early eighties with Thatcher in charge and the miners' strike and all this and that. Obviously, we weren't around at that point, but you know you've heard the stories or whatever else. So it was more like you know it's, we're still strong as a country, sort of thing, you know. Um. And yeah, I think at this point they kind of figured they had to write more commercial songs. They were going to make money, mm-hmm. which was understandable. They weren't making a lot of money at this point, so I get it. And we'll move on to um, Pretty Steel. Yeah, this is this is where you got me. This is the first thing you put on the list, so this is where I started. Uh, 
So obviously, Bridge still has the big hits on it. Okay. Well, it has two big hits, possibly three, mm-hmm. depending on your opinion. I have uh, one, two, uh, three, I think. Yeah, three. That you heard before? Or... Um, two that I've heard before, one that I knew for sure, but okay. I didn't know that they'd done it. Okay, fair so. enough. That's cool. Um, so, as I said, this album is a more commercially sounding album. It tells, to be honest, with the way it kind of speaks to me. <laughs> However... Mm-hmm. Doesn't start off commercially. It starts off with rapid fire. Which is pretty unrelenting. Uh-huh. Pretty heavy. Uh-huh. Joms are pretty relentless in this as well. Uh-huh. And Rob Halford does the usual operatic vocals so I don't think it gives a good impression of what you're going to get going forward what do you think Uh, strange because I loved it good I thought it was great I really liked this intro it was it was better than any intro that Sabbath had uh, personally in my opinion I mean you say War Pigs is a good song but is it really does it grab you I mean yeah it doesn't I mean this one is like straight away you know and you're like oh fuck yeah I know what I'm getting I'm here I'm I'm in I'm involved this hit me straight away you know it pulled me straight in it wasn't something like yeah okay yeah yeah I I feel this okay 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 yeah okay I'm starting to get it this one straight away I was like wow this is I like this yeah uh, yeah, and uh, I put down it's much more what I think about when I ex- uh, much more what I was expecting when I hear metal. Yes. Yeah, it's like the Sabbath stuff. I was like, huh? Me- heavy metal? Are we sure? Like, whereas this, but I was like, yep, okay, I get this straight away. Heavy metal. Yep. Yep. I'm oh, glad you like this one because I didn't think you would. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty heavy. It doesn't last very long. Uh, unrelenting. It doesn't really give a. Um, indication of what's going to come but I think you have there's a few there's a few that would be a bit too harsh on Bridge still but there's a few songs on here which would satisfy the more heavier metal fan so someone who is all about the 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 art of it all so to speak yeah yeah the the metal snob basically like yeah 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 okay See, I, I wouldn't call myself a metal snob. I think that so far what you've seen, I like the big commercial stuff. Um, yeah, so I could see why maybe they wouldn't like this because, oh, you know, oh, it's just a generic sound, isn't it? But yeah, I don't know. I, I Yeah, it caught me straight away. It brought me instantly in, so. On to the next song, which um, isn't quite as unrelenting. Mm-hmm. Metal Gods. A bit more groovy sounding, this one. Yeah, I think it's a little bit more, like you were saying, operatic as well. There feels like there's more... Um, tonal shifts in the song. I actually put down, I quite like the breakdowns. Like the part where they keep, like, metal gods, you know, that part. Yeah. 
I, 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 again, I liked it. I thought it was decent. Um, the first two songs so far, I've added to my playlist because I, I enjoyed both of them. To be honest with you, um, this one is a lot more theatrical than the first one, I guess, uh, because yeah, there is a bit more of a. It feels like there's a bit more of a story to to the to the song. What do you think the song's about? Um, I'm assuming it's uh, they're singing about themselves. I don't know. Oh, no. Oh, okay. It's about robots destroying the earth. I did not get that. Descending down from metal gods makes metal sense. Gods. I thought they were referring to themselves. We're metal. That's gods. exactly what I thought. Yeah. Um, and for that reason, it's become a bit of an anthem right. as well because you know, metal gods. You know. So from the great title, isn't it for a song for a start? But there's a lot of uh, inspiration there from Iron Man. It would seem then. Yeah. Well, from we had in the last episode from the Iron Man song. Yeah. yeah. Like again, metal people coming from space <laughs> to destroy everything. Yeah. What's more metal than um, metal? Um, yeah, robots. <laughs> yeah. Metal robots. Uh, so a lot of no- noises you hear in this song are them smashing cutlery trays up to make songs that sound sa- uh, sounds that sound metally. Experimentation, though. It's um, but yeah, no uh, experimentation to to find new sounds and things like that. Is, I, I think I think it played off quite well. Yeah, I enjoyed this song. Okay, so far I'm surprised. I'm pleasantly surprised. Okay. As we move on to the first of the big hits. Yeah. Breaking the law, breaking the law. 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 I obviously knew this song. Didn't know it was by Judas Priest, though. Um, I mentioned this last week, obviously, on the Sabbath um, one about how um, a song reminded me of this song. Um, so you can obviously see that Sabbath have had some influence. Well, they've had yeah, an influence on every metal obviously. band, probably. Because, like I said, that song instantly reminded me of, of Breaking the Law. Um, so, And then the very next episode, we have Breaking the Law. So it's like, oh, well, there you go. See, obviously, yeah, there was a, there was some influence involved in this obviously then um so yeah you pick that up but yeah i i knew this song i like this song i just didn't know it was by judas priest so just one of those songs like i said just i've heard before in the zeitgeist somewhere yeah it's it's a bit of um a rock anthem metal mm-hmm. anthem you know you put on a jukebox of rock hits or whatever and you know it fits in fine with that you know I mean, breaking the law, breaking this pretty cool song title as well, you know. Yeah, I mean, anything about like being a bad boy that always sells, doesn't it? You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a short, sharp song and straight to the point. Really yeah. doesn't stick around like the police sirens and brilliant guitar riff at the end. Yep. This would be their joint biggest hit in the UK. Not surprising, considering how yeah. I, I even I was aware of it. So. This was number twelve in the UK and only matched by another song on this album which we'll talk about later um, so yeah it's become a pretty big um, hit and unsurprisingly it has its haters as well because because it's a hit yeah because it's a hit and it gets paid a lot yeah I, I still think the song's great but I can totally understand if you heard it like six million times you're going to get sick of it yeah but I mean that's like most songs isn't it you know anything that's popular gets played a lot you know like 
um, off topic slightly, uh, like Nickelback, for instance, you know, their very first song got played to death, which kind of could have made you quite sick of them, to be honest with you. Yeah. But, you know, they've got some decent songs. Again, don't know if I should be talking about Nickelback on a heavy metal podcast, but... Just talk about what you want. You're probably going to get some hate. you get some, some hate in the, people, in the yeah. comments. But what I'm saying is, is that there are bands out there that are just unfortunate that one of their songs just seems to be a big hit, where in general the band is actually pretty decent, but it just this one song just gets played to death, doesn't it? Yeah, so... So, so far we've had Rapid Fire, mm-hmm. Metal Gods, mm-hmm. and Breaking the Law. Mm-hmm. All quite tough-sounding titles. Yeah. It doesn't change from here, because next up is Grinder. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm assuming that's got nothing to do with the app, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. I just, um... It's early 80s, mate. <laughs> 1980. I think Grinder was around at this point. I don't know. Maybe the expression came from somewhere, though, right? I don't know. Um, there is also something a little bit later on um, that will play back into that but we'll get to that yeah I think it. we're on the same wavelength here but we'll talk about it later on yeah um, I um, yeah this is where it starts to get a little bit generic for me this album yeah, um, yeah I mean I, 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 this song didn't particularly stand out for me other than the title I thought it was quite a funny title just because of the because of the app nowadays um but yeah other than that this is this, it, it starts to get a little bit generic it's the mid album lull i tend to find with a lot of albums so yeah i didn't really have a lot to comment on this one to be honest with you uh so i mean the song is about grinding up meat uh, oh, there's, it's been more, there's more to it about. It's about the government, the corporations spitting people out. Right. Okay. So yeah, yeah. putting being put through the grinder. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. That's it. It's got a killer guitar. So I, I, I like this one a lot. I will not go onto this Rob Halford point yet. Okay. I have made about how he was feeling at the time because we'll talk about that later. So the um the cool song titles in here. Because next is United. Which is not about Manchester United. That's what I put. I put, this is a very bad message. I don't agree with it. (laughs) That's the first thing I've got written down is not about Man United. So so similarly, similarly, like Chelsea Dagger by the Fratellis. I feel dirty singing this. Yeah. yeah, that's what I put. I put, I don't agree with this message. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm assuming it's about like, uh, we the people stand united and is. against the, the evil corporations and, and the government that's trying to take our baby. I mean, it, yeah, if it, not as deep as that, yeah, but you're right. Yeah, it's about sticking together. The proletariat must stick together. Yeah, it's about, it's an anthemic song and they also meant it to be anthemic. It's the last single to be released on the album. Not really a surprise. Um, it was released as a single, really. It reached number 26 in the UK, so another big hit. Is that because a lot of Man United fans bought it, do you think? It could be Oxford United. Or Sheffield United. West Ham. Or... There's a lot of Uniteds. Yeah, but everyone thinks about Man United when you think about United, don't you? So I don't know if this uh, song is used as a anthem by all the teams that... It's got to 
someone, right? It's one of them, surely. United has to use it, you're right. I mean, it's a good message as well, isn't it? You know, United we stand, and United we're great. And is there a team in Birmingham that's got United? This is West Bromwich United. No, um, no, not that I can think of. Uh, unless like there's a non-league team or something. I don't know, but yeah. Um, pretty straightforward song really mm-hmm. United not yeah, a lot to it it didn't really other than the Man United thing it didn't even massive impact on me to be honest I'm not going to mind if it comes on but there's not really a lot to dig into yeah it's not very deep is it um, and and to be honest with you from uh, it's not very heavy metally in my opinion either you know yeah it just it just it, it is what it is it, it's it it seems very much like chicken nuggets you know <laughs> chips and gravy now you said, um, do we like chips and gravy? Now you said at this point you're going for a mid album lull with Grinder. Yeah, and United. And United. So yeah. I don't think it. Well, I see. Interesting what you see with, about the next song. You don't have to be old to be wise. Uh, again, yeah, I haven't really noticed anything. I haven't written anything down about this. We're we're very much in the mid album lull for me yep. here. Um, I've got written down good vocals by Halford but I have that written down for pretty much I, I every song the whole album is pretty yeah, much yeah I, his, I, voice I his voice carries a lot of the songs to be honest with you yeah but all I've got written down here for this song is good vocals by Halford boring song mm-hmm. dud mm-hmm. yeah it's really dull boring I've, I can't I couldn't could I sing this song to you now I, I don't know. think I could so I, I a little bit a little insight into um, into how I listen to these so I listen to these while I'm doing other things um, I'm so I've got the other podcasts and a YouTube channel and everything like that that I'm constantly uh, researching for editing um, trying to put things together uploading what, what have you so I'm I'm listening to these songs while I'm doing this and it's when songs make an impact on me, good or bad, that I make a note. If I don't make a note, it's because it hasn't even registered with me. Yeah. So the f- simple fact that I haven't written anything down for this just goes to show you that it, it just went straight in and straight out, basically. Um I mean, you could say about his vocals, absolutely, the guy's got a great voice. I do not argue that at all. But the whole album is basically just great vocals. Um, so the fact that I haven't written anything, just basically, yeah, I, like I said, we're very much in the mid-album lull here. So I can't remember the last time I listened to this album in full, mainly because of songs like this, but obviously because it's the one that I've heard first and it's probably the most famous album they have. Mm-hmm. This is why I gave it to you. But yeah, this song is yeah, hundred percent agree. It's just so forgettable. I couldn't wait for it to be over. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, we go on to <clears throat> the other big hit from the album, mm-hmm. "Living After Midnight." Till the dawn. I knew this song. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure where I knew it from though. It might have been um, in like a film or in some films or something like that. I remember off the top of my head, but. But yep, I definitely knew this song. Um, I enjoyed it. 
uh, because again I knew it it was kind of like oh I know this song um, but in general I think it's a pretty good song yeah it's, it's a very catchy song yeah, it's, yeah. It, that's it it's catchy it's something you can nod your head to and bite your lip you know like yeah you it's know? um it's a good driving song as well yeah yeah I could definitely put it on and you know late at night driving along window down warm summer evening yeah man I could see that yeah uh, this was the first single release from the album it's not really surprising really it's pretty poppy sounding yeah like United I know United's emphemic but it's a bit of a dirge as well yeah there's not a lot of I mean also this song doesn't have a lot of depth to it either no but there's more going on it's more entertaining yeah it? like I think honestly unless you're a unless you're uh, a complete and a nihilist or you are a Man United fan you probably aren't gonna like stick United on and be like yeah come on I love this song um, whereas this one women in their 40s could put this song on and go this is a pretty good song isn't it you know like which I'm assuming metal fans will probably hate but that's where your money lies pretty much yeah. isn't it you know yeah. you're not gonna make money just marketing to one specific area of the music genre you want to make it as wide as possible don't you and if you said at this point they're already having money problems they're gonna want you know 40 year old housewives to be like oh i like this song aren't they so yeah i mean so this is their this is the other number 12 hit in the uk so joint with uh, breaking the law um it's no surprise really I said it's not very liked by metal fans who would have listened to their earlier catalogue and heard how heavy it was and then listened to this and it's not so heavy. I think it's a very catchy song. I like it a lot. I'm not really sick of it either. No, I liked it. I'm, I'm, I again added it to my playlist because yeah. it reminded me again. So, so I was yeah I was listening to Judas Priest uh, in preparation for this and you get on a bit of a high and you keep listening to them over and over again this song's been stuck in my head for days mm-hmm. but I'm not sick of it um, so I don't think I have anything more to add about living after midnight but yeah this is one of the songs I made me buy the British Steel album in the first place I'm not surprised it's a, it's a pretty decent pretty catchy song yeah. um, I mean I'm guessing most metal fans are probably listening to this thinking I'm a bit of a shill and a bit of a sellout because I like all of the, you know, the generic popular ones. But, you know, like I said before, it's called pop music for a reason, you know? Like, there's a reason that these are popular big hits, you know? And just, you know, because I don't like the, the dirgy, really grinding ones, you yeah. know? It's like... I think this maybe might be a reason why I haven't heard of them much when I first got into metal if this was their second biggest hit or joint biggest hit mm-hmm. number 12 in the UK like up to 1980 and they wouldn't really have anything that high in the chart after this mm-hmm. so you know I, I guess that might be a reason as well I don't, I don't even remember seeing this video much on TV if ever like Breaking the Law I saw, saw more than this it's quite surprising because it's a really catchy song. I just never really used to see it much on TV back then. 
No, like I said, I've, I've definitely heard it from somewhere. It f- sounds like the kind of thing that would have been in a film. Surely it's been. Something. Yeah, and that's probably where I've heard it from, but what that is right now, I couldn't tell you. We'll move on to the next song then, which is a f- quite interesting. The Rage. So what do you think of this one before I start describing it? Uh, I, I got a feeling I'm going to disappoint you a little bit with this. Um, I It's one of those ones that didn't make any kind of impression on me whatsoever. Even the start of it? Even the start of it. I just, it didn't, nothing really, I don't have any comments. So I, I, it must have been one that literally just straight through my head. I don't, yeah. I can't tell you anything about it. I can't remember. Wow, it's quite surprising considering it starts with a reggae intro. Um, it's a very police-esque. I don't know if that was by design. I hear that. I, it, did it? Maybe it skipped it. I don't know. I would have thought I would have written that down if I'd heard that. Let's let's stop for a moment and just yeah, yeah. I do not. I would have definitely commented on how different this sounded. Maybe it skipped it. Like it might have gone to an advert and come back from an advert. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I won't get you listen to the whole song. It's like five minutes long. Um, yeah, something must have happened there, mate, because I definitely would have commented on that. That's very different sounding <laughs> than, than everything we've had so far. Yeah, so I tried to look up what the reggae intro was for. Like, I assumed it's because the police were massive at this point. Because uh, Rush kind of started ripping them off mm-hmm. soon after this with their stuff, sounding a little bit reggae in places. Um, so I guess they did it off that. I don't know, but I I like gets into a good opening move after that reggae bit. I thought it was quite an underrated song. Uh, Alfred talks about being like a tiger trapped in a cage, and he begins to shake with rage. And again, that's we'll allude to very subtle with the lyrics. No, no, and obviously we'll allude to Rob Halford a little bit later on. Um, yeah, so I don't really have a lot more to say about that. It's a good song. I, I do like it a lot. On yeah, to the yeah. on to the final song mm-hmm. of. I don't know how. I don't know if you listen to any bonus tracks, but we're on to the final song of the actual album. The only bonus track on there was uh, a live version. Of something Stealer which is the song I'm about to talk about or Grinder sorry Grinder Grinder yeah that's it yeah. oh you didn't get the red the white and the blue then oh yeah no I did okay we'll talk about that later but okay. we'll talk about oh, so that must be an extra that's an, it's an extra okay, bonus okay. track yeah so with Stealer I've got nothing written down for apart from it's a basic track it's fine I have something which is going to come back to the Grinder thing that we were talking about a minute ago um, I've written here, ouch. Not a fan of that one. The term carpet baggers. Carpet baggers? That hasn't aged particularly Man, well, yeah. has it? Yeah. He uses the term carpet baggers. And what is that, Richard? That is a derogatory term t- uh, for a homosexual man. Yeah, which is quite ironic, considering we'll talk about later. I'm, I was just listening to that going, ooh, yeah, that hasn't aged well. Is that actually the lyric? Yeah, it definitely says it in there, mate. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Carpet baggers. 
I've never heard that term before. Yeah. Interesting. But um, considering, I'll, I will let that slide for uh, the era that it was in. Yeah. And because of Rob Halford. Okay, so I'm assuming that something comes up yeah, we'll with that. Okay, but um, yeah, that was literally all I wrote for. Yeah. Fine. Uh, on to the bonus track then. I'm not going to talk about the grind alive. Uh, yeah, I didn't listen to the grind. Not going to talk about that. I didn't point. like the song anyway, <laughs> so I'm not going to listen to it, um, the live version. Uh, the red, the white, and the blue then. Yeah. <laughs> So can I read out what I've put um, for, you know, word for word? Not that whole song. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming this is about Britain, in which case I like it. If it's about America or France, I hate them. <laughs> what country this band from? Yeah, I know, but that's all I was... That, that's the reason I put that for comedic effect. Oh. It's it's a very... Um, I mean, it's, it's uber patriotic, mm. which... As a Brit, I, I, as a proud Brit, I love that. That's great. Um, but it's, it's yeah, it's weird. It's, it's a considering that the whole album up until this point feels like it's basically slagging down the whole world, and it seems very nihilistic. Like I said, all of a sudden to turn around and go, I love this country. It's great. Every time I'm away, I can't wait to come home again. I love it. It's brilliant here. It yeah, and the sound is very. Yeah, they're going for an epic feel, aren't they? It's yeah, it's very theatrical and last night at the proms, you know. So yeah, odd, very odd. It, it, it big swerve <laughs> for, towards the end of the album, but um, I mean, I didn't hate it, but yeah, it was really like instantly it made me stand up hence why I'm sure that if I heard Rage I would have got stood up instantly and yeah but yeah odd I don't like this song at all that's because you're not as patriotic as me because you, you bloody hate Britain don't you fucking and they're going for an epic feel I don't think they pull it off it's too cheesy I don't like it, it considering like I said the whole album has basically been slagging it off until that point it feels out of place. So you think this is put on as a bonus track because it was recorded during the um, sessions for British Steel. That's what oh, you'd think, right? Okay, yeah. But it wasn't. It was recorded with the Turbo Sessions in 86. So I don't know why the hell it made its way onto this right. album. Okay. I don't know. When was this know. album released? Well, uh, British Steel, yeah. 1980. So how did they get something that was recorded in 1986 onto a 1980 album well it came on as a bonus track later on oh, in the years yeah right I thought you were telling me that they were time travellers or something then <laughs> but it was on uh, the original album that I bought on iTunes back in the day like 2010-ish I'd probably say uh-huh. and then it was on the uh, Apple Music one as well so I thought right. well I'll, I'll include it um, yeah, I don't know why it's on there. Yeah, but you would have thought they'd put it with the one that they actually made weird. sense of. Odd, very odd. Right, so that's um, Bridge Steel done with. 
from here, the band would go from strength to strength. Um, the next album would be Screaming for Vengeance, which would become their most successful album ever. Released in 82, I think. I've written down the year it's released. Uh, yeah, I think it was 82. It would become the most successful album ever in terms of sales and the album that would break them in America mainly due to one song on the album which would become a big hit on rock radio in the US of a called You've Got Another Thing Coming you never did answer that question I asked uh, you said you heard three songs from British Steel um, I, I know I'd heard uh, three songs from them in general oh, in general. oh sorry potentially four um but yeah yeah this was this was one of them yeah i had a feeling would be uh you've got another thing coming uh the first single from screaming for vengeance i've got here spritten simple driving song and it broke the band in america and it was the biggest hit they had them yeah i can see why again it's very much like uh living after midnight it's it's that it's a similar kind of sound it's uh it's it's a generic sound that most people could listen to. You wouldn't feel um, out of place putting this on in a bar or a pub on a jukebox or something. People wouldn't look at you and go, "What the fuck are you doing?" You know, they'd go, they'd go, "Oh, it's a pretty decent song." Yep, driving song. I've put down here. This is what. This is where I wrote. Um, it sounds very eighties. Um, and um, starts reminding me of, yeah, uh, Motley Crue and things like that. It's got a very 80s sound to it. Um, also, I could see this being in something like Last Action Hero, if you remember that film. I don't know. I just put here, I, I just have a picture in my head I imagine it was being of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Movie. Yeah, like, and this song playing in the background, so. Yeah. Um, I'm not a massive fan of this one. No? It's okay. I liked it. I know you compared it to um, Living After Midnight. Mm-hmm. I prefer that one to this one, personally. I mean, I think it's a better song, but I do... I don't hate this song. Yeah. You know? It's alright. Yeah, I, again, I think it's the kind of song that you can listen to as a teenager, but your mum will also put on the radio as well and you'd be embarrassed that she was listening to your your music, you know? But it's that kind of song that... Yeah, but it's that kind of song that she'd be like, you know, yeah, if, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, again, um, it's not a surprise that it, it was quite a big song in America. Um, it's, again, sounds mainstream. Um... And I'm guessing it made them a ton of money, so, you know, or at least some, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it did. As they break them in America, they went on, you know, massive tours over there. This is when the money starts rolling in for pretty much the rest of the 80s, really. Uh, Defenders of the Faith would be the next album, which is my personal favourite. I didn't give you anything to listen from it because I don't think it's got any of the, like, notable big hits on it. But I, it's my favourite. They were so big, they managed to uh, play Live Aid in Philadelphia in 1985. This is the original Live Aid, yeah? 
Okay. So not the UK one, the American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was like a few shows around the world, weren't there? Yeah. Philadelphia in 85, along with Black Sabbath as well. Uh, so that's how big they become. However, as for reached 1986, they decided to go in a different direction, mainly inspired by the glam slash hair metal of the 80s, which was going okay. pretty big. Yeah, and they already sounded like they were going towards that sound anyway, like I'd already said. Like, uh, obviously, Motley Crue, as we've mentioned before. Uh, I don't think it's, I say Bon Jovi at this point. I think they were massive at this point. I don't know when Slippery Woman Wet came out. I think it came out in '86. But yeah, bands like Motley Crue, Wasp, Poison, those kind of bands, yeah. they were massive in the '80s. Um, they started to Twisted sound. Sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Twisted Sister. Yeah. Um, I know about music. Yay! <laughs> seen them live actually. They're pretty good. So yeah, the next album, uh, so it's the most disliked amongst metal fans, maybe. Because it's more of a generic-y sound. Yeah, yeah, it goes for the, like, you know, the themes that most hair metal bands slash glam metal bands were going for at that time, which was party and yeah. women and fast cars. That's right. Fast cars, fast women... Speed bikes with nitro in them. Yeah, so a Craig to... David lyric for you. Craig David? Yeah. What, what was that lyric? Uh, fast cars, fast women, speed bikes with nitro in them. Dangerous when driven. Those are the cats that I'll be feeling. Uh, I'm feeling that, yeah. It's from his first album. Okay, the big one. I think it might have been his second album, actually. Okay. Yeah, anyway. This is the chat that all my fans want to hear about. Craig yeah, David. Craig David. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Turbo. The big single off of that mm-hmm. was Turbo Lover. by look on your face I think you like this one I did I, I really did I thought this was really good I put down super cheesy though oh. it is cheesy as anything but yeah I liked it I really did I li- I added it to my playlist I thought this is good I like it it, it kind of got me going yep I, I did I, and I know that makes me a sellout I put my hands up that so far all of their songs have been the ones that have been what you would determine as mainstream are the ones that I really liked. So, yeah, I'm the I'm the guy that metal fans hate, probably. <laughs> so, am I wrong to like this song? This. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I'm just giving a general impression of what metal fans like back then would have said about it, mm-hmm. like the ones that grew up like in the late seventies into the 80s like with this heavy music mm-hmm. this is stuff that they never heard at this point of time you know and then their heavy metal bands becomes like a pop band or whatever yeah, yeah. I, I get I get the understand I, I get the I get that but we 
were not brought up in those times. No. We were born in... I was born in 1984. <clears throat> Me too. Um, so, yeah, we don't have any of those hang-ups to uh, throw it on to. Oh, yeah, I love this song. It's great. Yeah, me too. I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's cheesy as fuck. Yeah, it's a good driving song. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it's called yeah. Turbo Lover. One thing, one thing that seems to be a constant theme with this band is good driving songs. Yeah. Yeah, songs that you could put on on a road trip. Hellbent for Leather. Yeah. You've got another thing coming. Yeah. Living After Midnight. Uh-huh. And this one. Yeah. Turbo Lover. Sounds pretty good. It it's 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 very much a product a product of the eighties though, it's I would very say. Sounding... Yeah, but like the title as well, like oh, we're just putting turbos into cars, and every car's turbo drived, and and we're getting into the information age a little bit, you know. First mobile phones are starting to come out, and it's life's all about go go go, you know. You got the cocaine rush of the 80s and everything and yeah it's yeah it's very much a a, an 80s title isn't it like like you you would say like um the 2000s like you know my my digital lover or something like that wouldn't you (laughs) you know yeah well that's a song by daft punk digital love well there you go um (laughs) so you saw the album cover for this uh i did but i can't remember it Uh, enlighten me Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it, all the all the neons and shit. Yeah, yeah I love, I love that. Something out um, of Tron. Yeah. So, I just want to read you some of the album, the song titles on this album. Uh-huh. Private property. Okay. Parental guidance. Okay. Rock you all around the world. Uh-huh. Wild nights, hot and crazy days. Yeah. <laughs> hot for love. Okay. This is so eighties. Yeah. Reckless. Yeah, so yeah, yeah <laughs> the, these the these song titles is yeah, yeah. that's super eighties. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, that definitely a product of its era. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I like this song a lot. Uh, it's cheesy, but hey, man, a cheese makes a good sandwich. Enough, I, think. I could, I, I mean, I could definitely see why heavy metal fans, you know. I put that in, in in inverted commas because I think it's more about people that are angry about like they're you know like they're destroying my type of music you know and it's like they don't really just enjoy music for what it is like yeah, a lot of metal fans like that but it has to be the right type of music I could see why they would hate it but I don't get it. I mean, you don't have to like the song, that's fine, but you don't have to hate it for what it is as well. I think as well, you look at the direction metal was going in 86, Mm -hmm. you're getting into like the fresh metal bands at this point, and Mm -hmm. death metal's just starting up. So I think people were angry that their heavy metal band decided they didn't want to do that anymore, they just wanted to be light and poppy or whatever. What it was is they probably liked making money. Yeah, the, and know. they were making pretty good money. Yeah. Although they did say that this album didn't make as much money as they thought it would do. Um, yeah, and the next album, Ram It Down, wouldn't make a lot either. Although it does have a very awful cover of Johnny Be Good on it. 
Um, so as we move on to the 90s, after Turbo, they kind of needed like um, a bit of reinvention, okay. really. After that, they were kind of in the mire a little bit. Uh, their dri- uh, driver? Their drummer left. Which they, one? Uh, the one that had been through them through the whole 80s. Right. A successful period. Dave Warren left and they got Scott Travis in. Much more technical drummer. And that would play into what the next album would be in 1990. So what are you laughing at? Because um, I know what I've written down, but you go ahead. Oh uh, yeah, so um, yeah, nineteen ninety would be painkiller. Choose your words carefully here. What did you think of this song? <clears throat> and I quote, bearing in mind what you've literally just written out, uh, read out, oh, well, what you've just read out. Yeah, yeah, nice drum solo to start. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's why I laughed because he's clearly advertising that fact. <laughs> I didn't know that they'd obviously had a different drummer by this point, but the sheer fact that I have written here without knowing that information that you've literally just read out, the first thing I've written is noticing the drums. I don't think you could... But I'm just saying, for someone that didn't yeah, know yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah it, you can very see it's the... the uh, thing you hear on the song. Yeah, but it's it's a very long drum solo as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just thought that, that was quite funny. Um, very thrashy. Um... And and again, I didn't know when this came out. I've written, <clears throat> I could quite easily see and picture a 90s mosh pit at this point in time. So I'm not a million miles off. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, totally different sounds than, than the last song. Um yeah, th- th- I got a very thrash metal-y vibe from this. Um, felt like that, yeah, it was a totally different swing away from the cheesy song that you got me to listen to last. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm quite proud of myself there. Drums, picked up on that. Thrash, they were going in a new direction, and it was in the 90s. So I'm quite proud of myself on that one. Yep. Um, yeah, I can't argue with any of that. It's a very, I know I've used this word before, but it's an unrelenting song. Mm-hmm. If you're not into heavy metal at all, I don't think you're going to like this. Rob Halford sounds very screechy on this song. This is what I'm saying. It, this is why I got the thrash metal vibe to it. It yeah. was very much more, you know, listen to my voice kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas on a lot of songs, he turns it down. He tones it down for a lot of the song and then all break into that. Yeah. But for this one, it's just constant, like a like a demon, like a poking yeah. at you. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely got that that aspect to it as well. Yeah, uh, I think. Well, this is very much Judas Priest keeping up with the heavy bands of the time, the fresh metal bands, which were massive in the 
keeping up with or attempting to keep up with? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, they did a good job with it. Love it. Um, this is also the year that Pantera came out with Cowboys from Hell. Um, so they they were keeping up with the bands of the time and sounding relevant. Mm-hmm. There we go, relevant to the time. Um, I love the use of thunder on this song, the sound effect. I don't remember. It didn't stick out in my head, but okay. Uh, so this song is heavy everything. Drums, heavy. Yeah. Singers, heavy. Yeah. The good, there's a massive good, guitar solo. Oh, there's the like, as well, obviously there? I said they've got two guitarists before, yeah. so they're both shredding on the, on the guitar. This is... This, if you like riffs... This song is riff heavy. One of those songs I heard for the first time I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And I said it was the only song other than the whole British Still album that I downloaded onto my iPod when iPods were a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this obviously left an impression on me. Yeah, this is considered one of the best metal songs ever recorded. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, it's made number one in a lot of Judas Priest lists. This why you've told me to choose my words carefully, yeah? Yeah. I'm kind of surprised you like. I was, I was um, setting myself up for a failure on this one, but I, I'm glad you liked it. I can surprise you sometimes. It was fucking relentless. This song. I think I like the technical aspect of it. Um, I think it, it didn't. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, it didn't blend into the background like a lot of the um, metal stuff. Um, that I've heard before, you know, where it's just, it just sounds like noise. Not not, not in a bad way, but yeah, yeah. it's just like white noise. I can hear it, but it kind of doesn't really register. This one, I felt it was very technical. Like the drum solo right at the beginning, you could hear the effort that was going into every single thing yeah. that he was doing. And like I said, the, 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 yeah, the big guitar riff in the middle as well, like you could tell that there was a lot of skill that went into that. Not saying that a lot of these songs aren't skillful, but a lot of them, you can picture them, they're kind of just going through the motions and they're probably just looking at the crowd as well and just trying to see, oh, wow, she's got a nice rack on her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that kind of thing. (laughs) But this one, you think he's looking the whole time and he's like really concentrating on what he's doing, you know? It's kind of like when, you know, in Slash um, plays a really big guitar riff you kind of look at it and you think he's focusing on what he's doing you know not like brian may where he's constantly looking at his guitar he's a boring guitarist but but yeah um but anyway yeah i liked it for like the technical sounds like that that it brought through i think a lot of work went into it um couldn't tell you what it was about (laughs) like but but I don't think the lyrics really stuck with me particularly. It was more just the sound that was coming through more than anything. I'm assuming it's got something to do with like either being in pain or addicted to painkillers or addicted to pain. I don't know. None of those. No, okay. <laughs> it's about a cyborg superhero saving <laughs> mankind from saving mankind from destruction. Could not be any further from the truth, unless you told me it was about a midget clown that went around like murdering children or something. It's a painkiller. I, 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 
killing the pain. Yep, okay, I see that now. (laughs) Yeah. I was well off. (laughs) Okay, right. Right. Interesting. Now we move on to, uh, yeah, the album as a whole was received pretty well. Mm-hmm. Pretty good album. I, nothing on the album is as heavy as the Painkiller, but um, yeah, good album overall. One of my favourites. Um, this will go on to a pivotal part for the band where Rob Halford would leave in 1992 mm-hmm. to form, well, go, go solo. Pursue his own interests. Pursu- yeah. Yes, pursue own interests. Yes. Uh, so the band would be in a bit of a lull at this point. They would have a different singer by the name of Ripper Owens, but it wouldn't really go very well. So Ripper Owens. Ripper, Tim Ripper Owens. Oh, so Ripper's uh, a nickname. A nickname. Oh, okay. Guys like Geezer Butler. Yeah, Geezer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so uh, they released a couple of albums with him that didn't go real well. And the second one was in 2001, which is kind of like... The bottom, bottom of the barrel at this point this is probably why they didn't get a lot of coverage in 2001 on the music channels so Rob Halford left in 1992 so he started his solo career or whatever else in 1998 he had an interview on MTV and he came out as gay okay. to the surprise of I don't know I'm sure people were surprised at the time I don't know but if you look at him it looks pretty obvious but I, I don't know but yeah he came out in 98 he said he was terrified of coming out and the the um, reception he get from the metal community I could imagine yeah. which is understandable you know metal fans can be dicks I mean lots of people in general can be dicks but well yeah it's like you know I'm assuming it's it's seen as a very masculine very <laughs> kind of yeah like like football yeah I'm sure footballers are terrified of coming out as yeah. gay, you know. It's yeah, so they came out gay in '98 and um, got a pretty good reception from most people, really. Mm-hmm. You know, m- mostly mostly positive from everyone, probably because they realised his contributions to music and metal as a whole. So yeah, I haven't really seen much of or, or any in the way of negativity from. Him coming yeah, out as gay. I'm, I'm guessing it's probably because of the respect he's gained. I thought, I honestly thought you were about to tell me, and this led to him becoming extremely bullied online and him turning to alcohol to try and sort his problems out. And, no, but he, he did have a lot of um, alcohol problems in the 80s. I can imagine that. Um, partly because of, you know, bottling up yeah. um, who he was. Yeah. Uh, he didn't tell the band that he was gay. Like at any point, wow! During their time together, so they're no one, they're new or not, or whatever. I don't know. Um, but yeah, um, kind of puts grind down to a whole new perspective, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, we talk about that. He's a yeah. man ahead of his time. <laughs> that's it, yeah, that's totally. What he he knew what grind was going to be. So he was a time traveller, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a positive story, really, yeah, in no. in terms of. I don't know, I'm sure there is hate somewhere oh, online. There must be somewhere because ev- people are pricks, you know. There are yeah. disgusting, horrible people in the world and you'll never get beyond that. But good to hear that it was a, all in general a positive experience. I hope that he's happy 
I hope he's still alive. Yeah, he's he's yeah, he's I happy. He's still in the band. He's married currently. Uh, yeah, he said he was concerned that he would lose his fan base as a result, but yeah, worked out pretty well. He would rejoin the band as lead singer in two thousand and three, and they would release Angel Retribution in two thousand five, and they would go on to release albums from then on, and they would even appear on The Simpsons. Recently. In 2014, oh, so not yeah. during the glory period. Yeah, unfortunately. They would uh, do a parody of Breaking the Law. Right. Um, respecting the law, respecting the law. Okay. Basically, yeah. I can't remember what else was in the episode, but they're, they're in Simpsons, so they're pretty big enough to be in that. Yeah, so they're still going strong today. Um, they've had a problem, a couple of problems with their lineup. KK Downing left in 2011. And retired. Which one was he? One of the guitarists. Okay. <laughs> Wasn't the drummer. And the other guitarist, Glenn Tipson, was uh, diagnosed with Parkinson's in oh. 2018. So he's quit touring, but he's still in the band. He plays on the records. Okay, and then they have like a replacement. They have replacement for guitarists for that's, tours. That's, that's good. So yeah, we're moving on to the last song that I gave you. Yep. Which was off the last album they released. Okay. Lightning Strike. You've finished with a bit of a bummer here, to be honest oh, with you. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a flat one for me. Um, <laughs> I've written once again, didn't even notice it finished. So, yeah, I'm sorry, a bit of a sour note, really. But, yeah, that one didn't really click with me, it seems. Um, I think it was another one that it just went into the next song, and I was, God, this song's long again, and gone and realised it's a completely different song again. So, yeah. Yeah, well, um, it's a lead single off uh, the last album, Firepower, which was released in 2018, I want to say. Okay. Or 2017. <laughs> I like it a lot. Uh, it's a lead single off the album. It caught my attention straight away. Bro, it shows that a band can still do it 50 years on. The rest of the album's great. I like it a lot. Okay, so in contrast to my view on it, um, just to flip the roles here a little bit for a minute, what exactly drew you into that song that you like it? Short, sharp, to the point, really. Didn't yeah. say it's welcome. Uh, yeah, this this album as a whole got pretty good reviews by critics across the board. Everyone seemed to love it. Even Anthony Fantano is probably the top music critic on you on YouTube. He can be quite cutthroat okay. about music. Especially metal. He loved it. It was on his uh, top albums of that year. So yeah, and the band was well, the band's one of the band's favourite albums that they've released. Would you check out more, Richard, from Judas Priest's discography? I would be interested to see if there's any more songs that I know of that I didn't know that they did. Nice. So for that reason alone, I would say yes. It seems to me like I would be more drawn towards their 80s and 90s stuff. Um, because, yeah, I, I really like the, the ones that you asked me to listen to from the 80s. Um, and the, the 90s one, uh, Painkiller, was I thought that was really good. I really like that as well. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, t in that era, I'd probably say yeah. Newer stuff? I don't know. I mean, perhaps. I, I, 
couldn't say for sure. I tend to be a sucker for the classics yeah. for a lot of a lot of artists, to be honest with you. So um, we talked about a lot about driving songs. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they have songs that you can get in the car and, and yeah. They have a song on the nineteen. I don't even. Why did I not mention this album in the review? Probably because it didn't make much of a dent at all. <clears throat> so we just went from British Steel to Dream of Vengeance from eighty to eighty two. But they did release an album in nineteen eighty one. Okay called Point of Entry which wasn't <laughs> uh, yeah Point of Entry yes which wasn't that successful okay however on the um, theme of driving songs okay. there is a song on this album which I think you'll like a lot called Heading Out to the Highway so I'd recommend that one okay um, I'd say my favourite album is Defenders of the Faith I think you'll like Love Bites on that one. As in Def Leppard Love Bites? No. no? Oh, okay. Love Bites by Judas Priest. Right. Which came out before Def Leppard's Love Bites. Okay. Uh, that came out in 87. This came out in 84. And it's not a cover. Which is a cover. The Def Leppard one isn't a cover of this. Okay. Yeah. they got a song called Love Bites on, on that album. Jawbreaker very heavy Sentinel's pretty heavy Free Will Burning you might like a lot as well because that's more of a driving song as well they like their driving songs I don't know why they like songs about putting the pedal to the metal yeah speed speed but I think if you can make a good driving song then you've nailed it pretty much because at the end of the day When's the when are the few times you actually need music for a party, road trip? Yeah. Those are the times that you need oh and the gym. But that yeah, was yeah, that's yeah. more of a now thing than a you yes. know, throughout all of history, you need music for a party, you need music for a road trip. So if you can nail a good party song or a good road trip song, then you're gonna you're gonna be successful. Yeah. So I think you're pretty much spot on with your eighties assumption. I think you're pretty much like anything from the 80s they release more more often than not if you like Turbo Lover you probably like the rest of Turbo that one that song was great <laughs> it's it's cheesy uh, as hell but it was brilliant Screaming for Vengeance you probably like a lot of songs off that um, yeah so that's pretty much all I have to add 90, the 90s I mean you've got Painkiller and that's probably it I don't think you like the Ripper Owen stuff oh, okay I could be wrong full name though yeah Ripper <laughs> Um, so yeah that's Judas Priest episode 2 mm-hmm. I hope you enjoyed your listening experience Richard you know what there was some there was some great songs in there that I really did enjoy um, a few that I already knew anyway but yeah a couple that I got introduced to that I've I've added to my playlist so that I will be listening to more often yeah and if we ever do go on a road trip I will make sure those songs are on the playlist somewhere cool. <laughs> <laughs> definitely Turbo Lover anyway Right, so that's the end of episode two. Where do we move on to from here? I've been debating like which bands to go into which week or whatever okay. it is. Ugh. So we're not doing necessarily chronological then? No. Okay. I mean, I think with Sabbath and Priest, yeah, probably. Also, there are probably people moaning at me going, oh, Tom, why did you put Deep Purple on it? Like, yeah, that's a good point. They're pretty heavy. They were pretty heavy in the early 70s, but still... Classify them as hard rock, maybe more than. I would say they're very dirty, aren't they? Yeah, they're very hard rock. They don't really have the satanic 
dark themes that Sabbath do. That's probably why I haven't didn't choose them. They they have mythical mystical themes though, don't they? Yeah. So that's that's that. So from my guest Richard, yes, and myself, Tom, rock on. <laughs>